Hello and welcome to the Harvard EdCast, a series of conversations with thought leaders in the field of education from across the country and around the world. I'm your host, Matt Weber, and today we're going to talk about a ubiquitous topic that's not usually researched or analyzed. It's discussed in the mainstream media across the world, yet often lives in the shadows and sometimes goes unnoticed. The topic, corruption in education. And we're lucky to be here with Stephen Heinemann, professor at Vanderbilt, to share his wisdom on corruption in education. Welcome to the EdCast. Thank you very much. Nice to be here. So, Dr. Heinemann, um, we all know corruption happens, yet you've decided to devote a large amount of your life and, and your research career to discovering why it happens and where it happens. I'm curious, what was the sort of impetus for focusing on corruption? Did you experience it in some way and, and it made you want to kind of combat it? I was. I first got concerned about it uh, when I was working in Central Asia in the former Soviet Union, and I realized I was asked to talk about it with rectors of universities from three countries, four countries, and they um, they were uniform in their reaction by saying that it's not something they wanted to talk about, that it's a Western concept, a Western problem. Uh, that there were good reasons for teachers in their system to take bribes because they were underpaid, uh, and how else were they supposed to make money? And I realized we had a problem. We had a problem that was, uh, then I started investigating a little further, and I found out that it was much broader than the former Soviet Union, uh, that it spread uh, into Eastern and Central Europe, and then I found many instances of it in Southeast Asia and uh, in Latin America. And then I've written a little bit about how it plays out in different uh, regions, including my own country and in Canada with respect to uh, plagiarism and falsifying research data and the like. I'm curious. Uh, I think our listeners would love to hear the sort of how it does play out in different countries and what form corruption takes in America versus some of the other countries that you, that you reference across the There's world. There's a very low incidence of monetary or monetary-based corruption. I mean, you do have the odd... Uh, procurement problem of a major uh, uh, administrator of a university or of a school system uh, taking a bribe for a contract of one sort or another. Uh, but that's that a lot of those controls are fairly effective. We have boards of trust, so we have uh, standards of, of uh, behavior that we all sign as professionals. Uh, we have an effective court system. We have an aggressive uh, um, uh, journalism, and so if it gets into the press, uh, our careers are pretty well finished. So the incentives to not do it are pretty high. But that's not true uh, everywhere. And so what I try and work on is how to get, you know, the institutions uh, organized and how to get them acting uh, properly the way they should be so that uh, countries can have the education systems that they can trust. Are there any metrics for corruption in education, either whether that's a countrywide metric or globally, where there are some countries that are more corrupt and corruption is much more rampant, and some countries that are becoming less corrupt because of certain measures that you're probably helping with? We have um, there, uh, measures come in two kinds. They come in uh, measures of perception of corruption, that is to say, questions to a public or uh, to like Transparency International will ask people who do business in a particular country, you know, how corrupt is this country? And then that's put into a country ranking. Um, the second kind has to do with have you participated in 
or not? And if so, what kind? And this, I think, is the, um, the new frontier of, because often we don't know how the bribe is paid. We don't know uh, often uh, which, uh, for, what, uh, for, for what kind of service. Uh, in some cases, it may be the teacher asking for a bribe. In some cases, the teacher may be relatively unaware of it. It may go through a series of... So that kind of, of uh, the mechanisms of it, uh, I think, are uh, the next frontier. But in answer to your question as to whether we have a ranking of countries with respect to education corruption, the answer is no. Um, but it, from what we've noticed so far, is that it tends to be parallel to the perception ranking of business corruption. So it's more likely that in countries with high levels of business corruption, you're going to have high levels of monetary education corruption. In interesting correlation. Now, there's rumors, Dr. Heinemann, that you um, have been probably thrown out of some rooms over your <laughs> years in research, yeah. investigating corruption and, and researching it. I can't imagine that you're the most popular person sometimes coming into a situation uh, in f looking to find out more about corruption, or to some people, you're probably exactly what they need. Well, what they need may not be aware. <laughs> they may not be aware of what they need. No, I, I have had uh, difficult conversations with several ministers of education uh, who thought that my interest in the topic in their country was kind of like the Grim Reaper. Uh, and I had one debate with one minister in which he claimed that his country uh, had no education corruption because they had no um, court cases on procurement problems. But his country was had rampant evidence uh, of um, uh, uh, paying for grades and paying for um, entrance to universities. In fact, there was a whole shadow price of entrance to his nation's universities. Uh, and I think he was defining corruption in a very narrow way for self-protection. So these things are going to happen. I, what I do know is that when they do occur, um, I could come back five years later or ten years later and they'll be more aware of it. I mean, this is um, unidirectional in the sense that people who may not be aware of it today or admit it today will have to admit it tomorrow. That's the way it's going. I'm curious from your own sort of uh, research-based perspective, but also from your sort of anecdotal perspectives, how do you lick corruption in the, in, in the right and get it at the root? You know, how do you, how do you start to get rid of it? Is it a character education at an early age to raise children and parents so that they teach parents to raise children to be more better citizens? Or is it something that you can do at a system-wide level at any age? You know, certainly uh, character building is part of what education is supposed to do. And one reason why I am so concerned about corruption in the education sector is that if the education sector is corrupt, all future employees and uh, professions are likely to be corrupt as well. Because it's the one part of the society that we all set aside and say, this is how to train future leaders. But how to defeat corruption really has, it's really a nuts and bolts issue. It, it includes systematic uh, structural changes. It includes, for example, raising the level of power of autonomous professional agencies like the Lawyers Association, the Doctors Association. It includes um, uh, issues of, of um, 
blue ribbon committees uh, who are uh, upstanding citizens who speak out, it includes advertising, it includes transparency, uh, access to financial records of universities, uh, open information about, uh, about the costs, and it includes preventative measures, which, which are codes of conduct, uh, both for students and for faculty and administrators. Uh, and the definition of corruption, which people agree to, and to which is you know clear and very evident from the moment you step on a campus, uh, and it includes sanctions. It includes um, genuine um, uh, jail time for those people who have committed legal crimes, and professional uh, punishment for those people who have abrogated professional uh, standards. Uh, a withdrawal of license, for example, for the doctor or the attorney or, or firing. Uh, it, it, sometimes it can include financial compensation to the victims. This is particularly important, I think, with respect to sexual harassment uh, of uh, faculty and students. So all of these uh, need to be done. but. Um, and I have a kind of list uh, from which uh, countries can choose, and I'm happy to say that I, just the time that I've been working on this problem, I've seen half a dozen countries turn around and get um, much better, and in some cases, uh, improve to the point where uh, they don't have a, a significant problem anymore. So, so it's consequences, setting up consequences, and sort of cultivating a culture. And, and as our final question, Dr. Heinemann, um, why don't we talk a little bit about that hope? One of those countries, one example, where it was really corrupt, bad things were happening, and they have turned themselves around just in the final minute. Well, I think Georgia's a good example of a country that uh, inherited uh, traditions of corruption right across uh, the government, right across um, uh, the public sector more generally. And they decided that they could not uh, be an upstanding member of the European community and trade with honesty with respect to uh, Europe and the United States unless they had similar standards. And they put them into effect. Now, it's not perfect. I'm not going to suggest that, that Georgia the, today is a country where corruption does not exist, but is not the same as it was 10 years ago. I'm going to squeeze in one last question. Biggest problem of corruption in the United States right now that you, that you see? Well, there's two. Uh, one is plagiarism. Plagiarism is a big, I mean, the temptation to use other people's words and claim them as your own is pervasive and um, affects all of us. But there is also, and we are, um, the United States is the, um, uh, it's the destination of choice for higher education from around the world. And we as a nation have to be aware that the um, uh, applications of students from some parts of the world are not trustworthy. This has been the Harvard EdCast, a production of the Harvard Graduate School of Education. I'm your host, Matt Weber. Thank you kindly for listening.